What a blessing. Thank you so much, CJ. Uh, and that, I just appreciate so much uh, the thread in your life. And it's, I think, a thread when we will sit down and pause and, and, and think about our journey. And we see that God is with us throughout, throughout that journey. Uh, we've just recently read about Joseph and, and his story. And his story wasn't always good. Uh, Joseph's story would start at a certain place, and he would say, I got this dream. And he was very arrogant about it and shared it with his brothers. And, and, uh, uh, but God is with him, and God was with you, CJ, from the very beginning. Uh, he doesn't waste anything. All of those experiences, all of the struggles that we face in life, it's all for a purpose that we might not see in the moment, but as we walk through them, as we begin to pursue an intimate relationship with God, and that, can, that grows even more and more, then we can look back like you did today and see how God has been designing that for each of us. It starts, though, with what CJ was talking about, that understanding that, that place of quiet, that, that place of center where we, where we find God, and we develop this intimate, this passionate relationship uh, she mentioned, uh, as I talked about two weeks ago, Gethsemane. You know, where is your Gethsemane? When Jesus was looking over the Kidron Valley at the temple, and he knew that he was going to go there and be condemned to die, he retreats to Gethsemane with his disciples so that he might listen, so that he might hear the truth of who he is and be made into that person that will go on Palm Sunday, cross the Kidron Valley, walk through the Lion's Gate and down the Via Dolorosa, and give his life to accomplish the task for which he came for, which is a blessing to us. Where do you start? Where do I start? That's the question that we have to ask ourselves. What is most important to me? I, uh, I, a few years back, and I hope I haven't shared this story, but if I have, it's okay. Some of you are new here, so you hear it for the first time. Uh, and I hope I don't get to repeating these things. But I, I repeat this because it's so important. It's just a beautiful picture in my mind. I, um, Katie and I had the opportunity to go to the Grand Canyon several years ago. And uh, it was my second time. I had been there several years before that with my youngest son, Noah. And, uh, but I finally got the opportunity to take Katie to the Grand Canyon. And I'll never forget that day, the first day that we walked up to the South Room and we looked over the view. If you've, never, if you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. It is just awe-inspiring. It, it just takes your breath away. And for both of us, even just tears to see something that we had never seen before, to see the beauty of creation in that moment. And then to do some hiking. I, I enjoy hiking. I love, I, I can't wait to, uh, I shouldn't wait for the weather to get better. I think there are probably some things I could see in the snow, but uh, we took a hike. Uh, and from the South Rim parking lot up to the, to, to the Hermitage, uh, it's about an eight-mile walk. Now, you can go to the Hermitage by way of a shuttle bus that meets you in the parking lot, and it will stop at different places along the way so that you can 
get a different picture, a different view of the Grand Canyon from different viewpoints. But Katie and I decided instead of taking the shuttle bus, we were going to hoof it. We were going to take a hike on, on the path and, 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 and take pretty much the whole day as we paused and saw those views as well as others. And had we been on the bus, because that's, I think that's the idea here. It's like, okay, I'm at the Grand Canyon. I've spent the money to get out here. I've taken the plane trip, whatever it is. And I need to go see all of these different places. But I want to do it quickly. I, want to, I don't want to waste my money, right? I want to I take, you know, have, I'm not like that on vacation, but some of you might be like that. It's like, if I'm going to spend the money on an airline ticket and a hotel room, I'm going to get in everything that I can, right? The goal is to get there. And so you get on the bus, and you stop, and you get on the bus, and you stop, and you see a few things, and you quickly go through that whole experience. But what those people missed were the sights that we saw on places that you can only get there when you're on that journey. You can only get there when you take that walk. Uh, so we, as we walked, we would stop, and we would sit, and we would pause, and we would reflect and we would enjoy. That's what was important. <laughs> uh, we didn't see it then, but we saw it after, or as we were going, it's like, okay, now I know why I did this. Jesus would have been asked this question. You've, you've heard this question, what is the greatest commandment? Now, we know that. We know, we know what it is. But another way that you can express it is, what is important to you? What, Jesus, what is your priority? Where should I start? And so Mark chapter 12 records this. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Here was Jesus in this, this classic moment between the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and his disciples, and they would go back and forth and talk about these things. And, and as one of those teachers heard them debating, he steps up and he asked, noticing Jesus had given all of these good answers, he asks him, of all of the commandments, which is the most important? And of course, more than likely in this setting, this teacher of the law was trying to test Jesus. I actually want to know where you stand, Jesus. I want to know where you are at. Okay, if you, say you, if you are who you say you are, what is important to you? And Jesus would say, well, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And then he adds, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. These, there is no greater commandment than these. Now there's, I could dig into what Jesus is saying here, uh, and I'm actually going to save that for a sermon maybe in the fall. Uh, but I want to focus on the commandments that Jesus talks about here. We often will gravitate to, if I do this, then I will be able to do this. Love my neighbor as myself. That it's kind of the heartbeat of our vision and mission as a church, right? And as Christians, we would say, 
this is what we want to be able to do well. This is our, this is our commission to love our neighbors, to do these things. I believe that we will never begin to love people the way God does until we begin to love God the way that he desires. Sometimes, see, I think we get the commandments mixed up. I think we, we think, I need to have a passion for people. And I love God. And, and I believe that what Jesus is saying here and what the commandments had at the heart is that our passion should be for God. And as a result of that passion that we have for God, he transforms our hearts so that we might have his heart for people. A passion for God and a compassion for people. When we get caught up in ministry for God and cut corners in our quality time with God, the results can be disastrous. We begin to serve with wrong motivations. We risk losing a relationship with God. And we, were oft, we are often tempted to make it about us instead of about the God we serve and love. I must begin this journey from the right place, right? We talked about Gethsemane last week. Where do I start? I must begin this journey here. When, when I do not start in the right place, something awful will happen in my life and have been there. It's a spiritual sickness that will take over, and the symptoms are numerous. Pride, talking about myself a lot, inwardly hoping that some pe people will praise me. I'll just pause a moment. One, I, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, five love languages. That would be another sermon series. <laughs> um, but my love language is words of affirmation. The, the way that I receive love is when I know somebody loves me, they will say, they will give me words of affirmation. And understand, the love languages that we speak and receive aren't bad. They're just neutral. <laughs> but as you can imagine, if I'm always looking for somebody to pat me on the back, that will build my ego. And I, have to, I can become very narcissistic. That's a danger, Katie. The symptoms, pride, talking about myself a lot, lack of love for other people, irritability. Are you an irritable person? Do you find yourself regularly there? How about a self-reliance that says, I don't need community? Like the church, I want to serve the church, but to come to worship, to be a part of a group, all of that, I don't need that because I can do my own Bible study on my own. But we'll miss out. We'll miss out. We won't have peace. These are symptoms of a spiritual sickness that we can have. These and many others are a classic sight of a heart that is drifting away from God. The journey starts by tending my heart not by doing the thing I know that I need to do, but I need to tend my heart so that I can accomplish the mission that God has given us. I was, uh, and again, if you've been following along in our reading, you would have started on day one through the Bible Project with this psalm. 
And by the way, just the Psalms intentionally are put together the way that they are. Psalm 1 is the best place to start. Listen to these words. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. He meditates on day and night. He is like a tree planted near streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, I, I want to focus on the tree for a minute. Can we focus on the tree that is there? Because I think this is one of those, those classic examples of our, our lives, our, our view, our picture, if you will, of a tree that is planted near streams of water. I'd like to be there right now, wouldn't you? Not in the snow. I want a spring day where I can sit next to the bubbling brook and there are these beautiful trees that uh, it's just, yeah, I want to be there right now. This is not the tree that the psalmist would have understood, at least not in this area of the world. This tree up here is the acacia tree. This would have been more likely the tree that the psalmist, more likely David, had written about. This is the tree, the classic tree in Israel, that is planted near a place where streams of water would flow. But the ground, as you can see there, is not very wet. It's not the green pasture that we think about. The pasture land in Israel is dry. It is arid. Very little rain comes. So what is the psalmist talking about here? What kind of a tree would want to be planted in this place? But this is the picture that the, the psalmist wants us all to understand. This desert tree, the acacia tree, looks dead. However, this tree provides needed shade in this arid world. The, the wood from this tree will burn hotter and longer than any other tree in the world. It provides fruit on it, seeds that are for food and for healing. The properties of the fruit from this tree are, uh, are, are desirable. I like to describe this tree as one that waits in the valley for rain. Because when the rain does come, and it can take a year, two years, this tree seems dead, and the waters will come, and it will spring to life. And so what the psalmist is saying is, no matter where you are, there are going to be dry desert times for each of us. And they can be, seem to be the norm rather than the exception, Right? Can I get an amen? Like there are times in my life where I feel like I'm always in this dry place. Why is this? And I can easily feel like I am deserted and alone, like this tree is standing out there, and I've seen them, where they, they seem to be by themselves. 
Yet my devotion is not about keeping up or appeasing God. It is rather a longing to know him intimately and passionately. And I am trusting that God will bless me because there will be a time where he will show up and I will be ready. The psalmist is saying the person who is, uh, is delights in the law of the Lord, who has their roots planted down deep into this quality relationship and develops this intimacy with God, is going to be ready when the spring comes. Not that the stream is always flowing, but we are expecting it. We are anticipating it. And eventually, it will produce something in me that will bring not success in the world's eyes, but fruit that will influence, be an influence in the world for good. So my devotion to God is described in the Shema. This is the commandment that Jesus would have quoted. Shema Yisrael Adonai Elohinu Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. This is where you find it. And this is the, the, the prayer that the Jews would recite at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day. Very significant that they do that. But the word Shema is, as translated, is hear, which is not just this hear this commandment, but it is become a person of the ears. The text, by the way, and this will give you permission to listen to the text, was not meant to be read. Excuse me, can't get my words out. Did you know that? Did you know that the scriptures were not meant to be read? They were meant instead to be what? Heard, right. It was meant to be read in front of people and you listen to this word. But this idea, this, the Shema, is not just that you listen to the words and then you go away, but that you listen and it, it compels you to obey. It compels you to do something with it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. When I give God the opportunity to speak into my heart, he motivates me to work for the right reasons. And it is there that I find acceptance, that I find favor and strength that come from God. And then it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Then it says three things, right? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. The Hebrew word there is lavav which means heart, but it's more than just this, this organ in your body that pumps the blood in your, in, your, in your bloodstream. It's not just that heart when you get anxious and you can feel it up here in your throat. No, it's, it is, it is your, your physical being where you think and you make sense of the world. It is uh, your thoughts, this 
these thoughts that I have in my, in my mind, this describes where my heart is. It's an emotion which can be fearful or joyful. This is my heart, and it is the choices that I make that in my heart, I will say, so oftentimes I'll say, in my heart, I believe this, or there are the desires of my heart. So it's more than just this feeling, but it is a combination of many things. So we devote our whole body and our mind, our futures and our failures. The second thing, he's, uh, the, the commandment says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your what? Soul. Did I hit that right? Yeah. Flip it one more. There it is. Oh, where is it? There it is. <laughs> it's your soul. It's nefesh in, in Hebrew. It's, it's, when I think about soul, I think, I think we think of something that's kind of ethereal. It's kind of like we can't grasp it, and, it's, and we get this idea that this, when, I, when my body actually passes away, my soul will like magically come up from my body and go to heaven, we hope. But it's not this at all. It's, it is this, this idea that it's my whole being, everything that is about me. You might think, <clears throat> when you think of your devotion for God, you might think, well, I'm not a very spiritual person. I don't know why I hear people say that sometimes. I'm just not a very spiritual person. Or I, am, I uh, may have heard this phrase. I may have said this myself. I'm not as spiritual as you, where we compare ourselves with somebody else. We don't maybe not know chapter and verse of the Scripture like somebody else is able to do. But here's the thing. God has created you and I. Each and every one of us that is sitting in this room as spiritual beings created by our Abba Father in his image with a tremendous amount of diversity. I will come to understand how I am created to pursue Jesus to connect and to connect with him on an intimate level when I understand who I am, how God has made me, how God has made you. Think about it like this. The way that I connect with my children or the way that they connect with me, I do not doubt their love for me. And I am confident that they know that I love them. But I want to spend time with them to get to know and appreciate who they are within their beauty and their differences and their diversity that they have specifically. For Daniel, our oldest son, who is 32, we were kind of reflecting on the way here this morning. How old are our children? Okay, Daniel's 32. Daniel has a beautiful, generous spirit. I have this picture of him in a Santa Claus hat. I don't know why. Well, I know why, because I remember when I was in one of our ministries uh, in Michigan, we did the Angel Tree Project, and at that time, we, can go, we could actually go and visit the families and take the Christmas gifts, and that was Daniel's thing. Every year, he would go with me and another one of the men from our church, and, and he would go and give those gifts away, and he had his Santa Claus hat, and he was just like five, six, just a little boy, and he just loved to be able to give, and he is like that today. He has a generous spirit. He is a loner which means that he can spend a tremendous amount of time on his own, and yet, after he does that, when he does, when he does show up, 
You can't get him to shut up. He just keeps talking. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes, yes, yes. I call him the animal whisperer because he can, the, the, the animal that you won't be able to love on, that animal will come right up to him and he can just care for them. And I think it's because he is just a beautiful caregiver. And of course, I've expressed how I see that in the work that he does. He is quiet. Noah, on the other hand, is completely different from his brother. He loves a life of adventure. He's never satisfied to be in one place for any time. I feel like in his life, he's going to jump from job to job because after a while, he's like, I got to go to the next one to find something else that uh, I want that will challenge me. That will that this adventure, this journey. He's a gamer. I mean, I, I remember when he was little, he would, he would sit in the, I, it was a pink chair, uh, and he would sit in this pink chair, uh, I'm, I'm glad he's not here this morning, so, he would sit in his underwear with a bowl of Cheerios playing games on the whatever game system was. I mean, he never had a game system for very long because he was going to the next one. Uh, I love uh, one of the phrases that describes Noah is from J.R. Tolkien, all who wander are not lost. That's Noah. I just love that. He always wants a new adventure, and if he doesn't, he will get bored. Both long for presence. They, they long for their dad to spend time with them. They love quality time with those that they love. And I want to get to know them even more every opportunity that I can. Not only to know who they are, but to get a glimpse of the wonderful nature that God has instilled in each of them. Because in them, I can see the reflection of his image. That is the picture of, in my mind, loving God with all of our being that we desire to spend our whole being in the, have our whole being in the presence of God. Not just to check in for a little bit and then check out, but that all that I am, and I, and I don't have to be spiritual like this person over here that I read, or spiritual like this person over here that seems to pray better than I do. Guess what? God has made me uniquely to pursue him. And so as I know myself and I pursue God, I pursue him just the way that I am. So we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul. And the th last one is in Deuteronomy, is love the Lord our God with all of our strength. Strength, which is actually, um, it's kind of a difficult way to describe this because the Hebrew text doesn't even have a noun here. It says, it uses the adjective meod, which means very. With all of my very. It's very strange. Very strange. There we go. It's more, it's an idea. So we get the word very in the text. Where do we, where do we find that? When God created man, kind in his own image. He said it was 
Tov me'od, very good. Tov meaning good. Tov me'od. And the text will use that word many times, this very. So I love God with all of my very, or all of my muchness. It's, it's this idea that whatever adjective, this adjective that I use, whatever noun that I use to describe the love that I have for God, it's amped up. It's more. It is everything. Jesus will go on to add, as uh, Darren mentioned a little while ago, not only our strength, but our mind. He adds that when he quotes it in Mark. There is great freedom in how we can meet with and enjoy God. This is by his design and according to his good pleasure. So understand and know who you are, because God knows who you are. Embrace it and pursue God with all of your heart, with all of your being, and with all of your very, all of your muchness. I uh, have another picture up here. I think the picture is going to come before the scripture. Let's see. Go in advance. There it is. Okay. Does anybody know what that is right there? That's a mezuzah. Yes. You have one? Excellent. Yes, I have one too. I meant to bring it this morning because I haven't put it up on the door frame of my new house, but this is a mezuzah. Okay, let me read this scripture to you. It's, it is, uh, I'll start with uh, he, uh, Deuteronomy 6, starting at verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with soul, rather, and with all of your strength. These commands I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads and write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. It is the idea when I leave home, I touch this. And by the way, that box, that mezuzah box, it will, it will have within it the Shema. As a reminder, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of yourself. And I touch this when I leave the house as a reminder. When I go out today, this is the first thing that is on my mind. When I return, it is the thing that reminds me again, and I return home to who I am. And it's a constant, constant reminder. How do we live to learn to love God? Day in and day out, through all seasons of life, we spend time. So much like that journey that Katie and I took, much like any kind of hike that you will, we grab, we, how do we learn to love God? We grab a coat, and today we might grab a hat, and gloves, and a scarf. We pick up our walking stick, we head outside, and we let the path decide where we should go. I'll finish this message with a quote, another quote from Tolkien. Uh, if you've ever read uh, The Lord of the Rings or watched the movie, Bilbo would say to Frodo these words, 
It's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out your door. You step out on the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. That's just something to think about, because I think we can be afraid of the path. We can be so... We can be so... Um, at home in our misadventure, if you will, uh, that we don't engage in what God wants us to do because of fear. If we don't step out onto the path, we will miss out on God. We will miss out on seeing all that he is. So take some time. I, I've hesitated talking about spiritual disciplines, reading your Bible, praying, because I don't want to pigeonhole it for you. But find a way where you can fill your life with the text. Find a way where you can spend time listening, Shema, and obeying. Find a way where you can cry out to God and you can worship him the way that God created you to be, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your being, and with all of your muchness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Father, for the reminder uh, to come spend time with you, to be with you, to sit into your presence, to walk with you along the road. And as you meet us there, uh, showing us your faithfulness every step of the way. When we stumble, you're there to pick us up. When, we are, when we're not able to walk, you carry us. But you are there. Thank you, Father, for showing us who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.